Last week we talked about give us this day our daily bread. To remind us of our absolute dependence that we have on God for everything. Reminded of the connection between the possessions of the material and things of that, those tangible things, and how it even affects us spiritually, deeply, how those two are connected. Now, I said last week, I didn't know if I'd return after I preached that message. Thank goodness I chose, I mean, I think it's good for you and for me that I did choose to do that. We'll see. But just reminding me, and I think I said over and over uh, to, to those around me, say over and over, often this last season, if Jesus' words in the parable of the sower, that the cares of this world come along and the deceitfulness of wealth come along and choke out the good seed. The last week's message was not about renouncing possessions, and, but, but putting possessions in their proper perspective. The question is not whether acquiring money is wrong. The question is, are we doing it to build our kingdom and in turn trusting in it alone or in God's kingdom and trusting in Christ alone? Because the kingdom of God is about things that matter. We need to be about things that matter. But man alive, there's a lot of things that keep us from getting there, right? So today, Matthew 6, let me read it again, Matthew, and, and there's different places and different versions, and we're going to use a, I'll, I'll tweak it a little bit this morning, but I want to read it again. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive our debts as we forgive those who also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And for forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors is also in Luke 14. Forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who have sinned against us. You'd also read a version where forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. So we can read it in different ways. We're going to kind of camp a little bit today on forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who have sinned against us. I'm going to break it down just a little bit because one of the challenges as we read this, because it's easy to skip over the first part of this and focus on the second part of this uh, verse this morning, and we are going to camp out that on camp out on that a little bit more this morning. But there's a few things as we look at this that I think need to be broken down to a little more smaller bites. One is sins that we hold on to personally, and not calling it as it is, and asking for forgiveness for that sin. Not forgiving yourself. Something that haunts you that you should have done or you, you, you did do and it haunts you and you have a hard time ever forgiving yourself. And we could go through a list of those this morning. I'm not going to camp there. But so often that's a stumbling block. For some, it's not forgiving God. 
And we could go through a list of things there that for different reasons people have reached that point where they just can't get past that. They don't look at others. They don't look at themselves. They just go, how could a good God? And the fourth one in which we will talk about today Holding on to debts that we believe are owed to us or owed to someone that we love or someone we care about. Specific situations, specific people that we're hanging on to that lead to unforgiveness, resentment, and bitterness. And because of that, we are capped in our spiritual walk with Christ. We're going to take, again, a look at the first one and the last one this morning. And I realize I'm going to say this up front, and I'll mention it again in the message. Even for the most committed believer, forgiveness is difficult. Because I don't know all the circumstances you've walked in with today. I don't know all the things that have gone on in your life or those connected to you to even talk about some of these things today. And for many of you, you may need processing out with more help than just praying a prayer. And believe me, praying is the place to start. But you may need more help than that to walk through some of this. But I hope you'll give me a little grace today as I talk through this that I may not cover everything and I may not say it just right, but I hope you hear my heart behind this because I believe, again, it's one of the biggest things that's capping believers. The first one's this. For some reason, and I heard this years ago, and as as being saved in the Baptist church, there's one thing that we would repeat a lot is... Asking for forgiveness of sin. Almost every time you prayed, almost every, whether it was grace, wherever it was, you asked for forgiveness of sin. And for some reason, as I grew and and, and ended up getting involved in the Church of the Nazarene, I didn't hear that as much. Now, I'm not saying that, that, that they didn't believe it. It just was not a phrase that was used very often in public prayer. Or even in private prayers. Now, it may be because of the way we teach entire sanctification, things of that nature. It may have somehow or another taken that out a little bit. I don't know. And so this passage of Scripture here, forgive us our sins. Now, I would say this also, just a caveat to that. I don't believe this is for unbelievers. I believe what we're praying here is for believers. Now, you can do with that what you wish, but I do believe this is how Jesus is teaching the disciples here. But if we're sincere about this prayer, when we pray, forgive us our sins, then we are openly admitting that sin is real and it is serious. It's one thing to say it's real. It's one thing to admit how serious it is. You've heard me say a 
hundred times here from this platform, it seems like. If sin had a job description, its job description would be what? Separation. Separation from God, separation from others, and separation from your divine purpose. That's its goal. That's its job. But 1 John 1, 8 and 9, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And let me say this again. I want to be real careful here because we can get off to a whole different message. But we've got to be careful, I think, at times because we do teach that we can live with our, honestly, our foot on the neck of sin, if you will. (laughs) That we can live, we we can be set free to live over the power of sin. And I agree with that, not only theologically, but experientially. But sometimes, as the old saying used to go, you paint yourself into the corner and the paint won't dry. You can't come out of the corner. Sometimes sin is just sin, and we need to confess that, and we need to bring it before the Lord or bring it to others if we need to, and we need to admit it. Because if we're not careful, we begin to take sin out of our language. And then if we're not careful, and you can see it in a culture, if sin is not sin, then it becomes something else, and then we're in trouble. Then things like repentance, confession, forgiveness, atonement, restitution, Redemption, not needed. Just not needed. And see, if I don't need any of that, guess what else I don't need? A Savior. I just don't need one. I may need a good life coach. (laughs) I just don't need a Savior. Nothing against life coaches. The Apostle Paul talks about in 1 Timothy. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. But when there is no recognition of sin, there can be no salvation, no sanctification, and therefore no deliverance from the freedom of sin. I believe daily we need to apply the blood of Jesus Christ to our lives, that he covers every sin. And I want to say this, though, in the middle of this, and I I want to make sure, uh, I don't think confessing your sin here is a salvation issue as far as your standing with God in that sense, an eternal thing, even though I guess we would believe that maybe Someday, in some ways, it could be. But it is about our daily relationship with him. That there is a clear slate. That there is nothing blocking. There is nothing between him and me.
Then we hear the challenge that, and, and I understand this too, that if I don't forgive others, then I can't be forgiven. Now, I understand where you would get that, and I understand why that is the thought. And I am not against saying that if you can't forgive, then it's going to be hard for you to be forgiven. I get that. But what I would say is this, though, for many of you here today, you, if you took that to its nth degree, the concern would be you have to somehow or figure out how to forgive other people in your own strength before you can be forgiven. That's not what that says. I need to be forgiven and know that I am forgiven. And if I'm a person who knows that they've been forgiven, it is much easier to forgive. But if somehow or another, the caveat, somehow or another, the, 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 this, the, 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 uh, the starting place is I've got to forgive you first before I can be forgiven, then that means I've got to forgive in my own strength. I want to tell you, you may get better about it, and you may go to enough uh, appointments to work through it. I'm not saying that can't happen, but true forgiveness comes through the power of the Spirit where you release. I think one of the things that is the most difficult part when we confess our sins is to fully embrace the fact that we've fully been forgiven. And I'm going to get into it in a second of why we have a hard time forgiving others. It has a little bit to do with why we have a hard time totally believing that we've been fully forgiven. The thing that we know is, even though I said that we can't forgive in our own strength, our relationship with God is an unbelievable way linked with our relationship with our fellow man. You can't just walk away. You can't just say, I'm going to strain that relationship and strain that relationship, and I'm going to have that one, and I know, well, they may have done that. I can't just walk away and it not matter. I realize there are times you've got to let people go, and I realize sometimes you've just got to let it Get distance and you've got to let it. But, but there's a difference between that and just being indifferent in some ways. And it would be easy to say today that because I am forgiven, I just simply forgive other people. A plus B equals C. I confess God forgives, I forgive you. It would just be easy to lay that out and say that's how all this works. And reality is we, most of us know that that's not the case. And if I took to you today and I, I went back all the way to kindergarten, if we had time today to go back to all the way to your kindergarten, whatever, you start remembering things. I don't know when that is exactly. 
and we started taking an account and we had the time to sit down every time you've been hurt or every time you've been victimized or every time we could be here a long time today, no doubt about that. In your own life, you could list those things out. And most of those, we would say along the way, probably, probably were small and meaningless, and you kind of go, okay, it stung, I didn't like it at the time, I kind of moved on, or I did move on. Matter of fact, I did move on. But for some, it has hung on to you most of your life, and matter of fact, for some of you, it has defined your life. Somewhere, something happened, and it has defined you in a negative way I'm talking about here. Because the reality is you're out of your greatest wound and trial can come your greatest genius of knowing God and knowing others and knowing yourself. As a matter of fact, the worst things that have happened in your life very well can be the very things that are motivators and the very thing that God can take and to make something beautiful out of, even though that moment was ugly and those people were wrong. And and you could take all that, but out of that, God can do something beautiful and redeem it. And it's as simple as I've told you before. As being a, 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 a victim of being bullied as a seventh grader. And that, 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 that uh, how I hated my life and how I, all the things that went with that. And we won't get into the details of that. As a little kid, though, being bullied by, I've said this before. I think the guys probably should have been in the 11th grade because they were going to school at Wicks. They were in the 9th grade, I think, and I was in the 7th grade. But they were big enough to be a lot older. But, 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 but because of that, it could have defined me to the worse. But because of that, I made a decision as a seventh grader, if I ever get big enough, I'm going to defend that kid, that little overweight kid, that little naive little kid. And I did get big enough in that little town. But it changed my way of thinking the rest of my life. And still to this day, it changed my way of thinking. So all I'm saying is, but I've let those people go a long time ago. And those guys, then all that. But my point is this today. If we went back and made a list of all those things, there are things we all know we've been hurt and we've been victimized and we've had those things happen to us and they were real. And people did sin against you. Trespassed, whatever the right word is. I'm not here today to argue that with you. But when Jesus says, forgive us our sins, and then we ask for forgiveness for those who have sinned against us. The thing that's so deceiving about if you're at this place today of resentment, bitterness, and unforgiveness, the potential cost of this is so significant for you hanging on to it, to not only you, 
Because this is not lived in a vacuum. It's to those who are connected to you. You don't know the cost. For some of you, it's all you've known you've ever lived with. You don't know anything else. Why do we, knowing, if we think about it, that it's costing us personally and maybe costing, why do we hang on to it? There's a couple of things I just want to mention. I'm sure there's a lot of others, and sometimes we just don't even know how to let go of it. We don't know what to do with it. But, but one of them I'd say is this, we believe it's our right. It's my right to hang on to it. If I explained to you what happened, you would also agree with me. That's how we think. I have every right to hold that person or persons or whatever. I have every right to hold them accountable and and not let them go. Well, first off, often people don't even know they're being held accountable. Just so you know that. They don't even know that you've got that. Or they sure don't know it at the depth that you have it. So some kind of price that you're costing, that they're having to pay. But for whatever reason, we think we have the right to hang on to it. Now, you've heard me say often again. And it's from Scripture that that, that Paul's writing. Everything is permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Everything is permissible, but I would not be mastered by anything. In other words, I have rights As a believer, those rights end when God's righteousness ends in that sense. The only rights I have are those things that lines up with God's righteousness. Everything else is my free moral choice to choose to do something. We have rights in our culture that I don't believe line up with God's righteousness. Man, I could list a lot of them off for you. So you can say rights culturally, yeah, sure, I'm not arguing with that. But rights is in the sense of it lining up with God's righteousness? That's a different story. That's a whole different question. What it opens itself up for, though, so often, as long as I have my rights and the thing really did happen to me, it, I can hang on the ability to maybe even some of the dysfunctions of my life are your fault. As long as I can hang on to this. It's my right to hang on this because I was victimized. God, you know what happened, and I'm going to say this to you. There are true victims. Do not misunderstand. I said it up front. Do not misunderstand that I understand there are real victims. But there is a difference between being a, have been a victim and staying a victim and living as a victim, and yet to define you as a victim because when you become that, you become a person who's able to blame others Almost everything on that situation. 
when there's victory to be had. I hear people go, I quit going to church because all those churches are full of hypocrites. I quit going to church because of this. I quit going to church because of that. I feel like it's my right to be able to do that because see what they did. Gets me off the hook. Some of you this morning, I'm going to ask you, how, how often do you rehearse? Does that hurt? How often do you play it over in your mind and allow it? You build a bigger defense for it if you were going to trial. That the person, other person or persons are guilty. And here's the thing. You may be able to build a great case. But it doesn't change the fact of what this prayer is today. The thing I've had to remember over the years, and I have, you know, the bullying in the seventh grade seems like, seems like small potatoes compared to some of the things I've gone through in my life since. The thing I've had to remind myself over and over. And maybe it's because I've been broken to the depths of my soul as a person who had to come to Christ. And if it wasn't for God's grace, I don't get in. And I know it. There's nothing I could work toward. There's no, nothing I could do. I, if it's not God's grace, then I don't get in. I have to believe that the power of Christ's blood shed on the cross, if it's got enough power to cover my sins, then it has enough power to cover the sins of those who afflicted me. I don't have say-so over that. I don't get to decide that. If it has enough power to cleanse me and change me, and I become a different person, that same blood has the same power to do that to anyone else. I hope that's not bad news for you. Just assume for a moment that the issue here is not that I have the right. The issue is this. I have the opportunity to forgive through the power of the cross. Second thing I would say is the reason why we hang on to some things. We believe there should be some type of retribution, vengeance, penalty, payment plan. I know some of us say, I, won't, I, I can't forgive, but I would say probably for most of us, I won't forgive. It seems to be one that might stick out more appropriate. But I want to say this again. I don't think forgiveness 
you got to work it out with fear and trembling like we do our salvation sometimes. We have to figure out how do we go about doing this. It doesn't mean we trust that person to give them access the way they did before. It doesn't mean there's not consequences for that person. But, and it doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean I don't have to bring it to the Lord every day or in a situation. I have to come back to it over and over. It doesn't mean that. But it does mean I need to be headed towards that. It does need to mean that that needs to be my first option. But I'll tell you, when someone hurts, it's one thing, and, and, I'm, it's one, and I'm, I'm pretty good about this. We've talked about guys playing sports, and we hear it a lot of times. And, and, and unfortunately, um, you know, obviously we see where the Suns uh, ended their season this last week, not the way we all intended. But we see three guys get on a plane, uh, Drew Holiday and, and Chris Middleton and Devin Booker get on a plane and head to the Olympics, even though they got beat this morning. But anyway, it's beside the point. But they get on a plane because they were out there at each other, hard going, but they could walk away as competitors. Sometimes, you know, you have this deal where I can, I can let somebody even hurt me or say something to me, and I can let it, as they say, water off a duck's back. I can move on. But you do it to someone I love. You do it to someone I care about. You do it to someone I can't maybe stand in the position of and help protect them. Then that's a different issue. It's harder to let go of. Well, I know what it's like to be slandered. I know what that's like. I know what it's like for somebody to assume something they don't know. I know what that's like and talk about it as gossip. I know what that's like, believe me. But years ago, once that happened, one time that happened to me, and, 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 and I knew it was happening by people I thought I could trust. I knew it was happening, but I asked the Lord, Lord, as you toughen, if you soften my heart, toughen, as you toughen my skin, soften my heart. That was my prayer, very simple prayer. Lord, as you, as you toughen my skin, make me as tough as you need me. Wherever you're taking me in life, I want to be as tough as you want, but never let my heart get hard. But you do it to someone I love, makes it a little more difficult. So I need this payment plan going on. I need to see installments. Like a credit, you ever get your credit card bill, those of you who have credit cards, you look at it and go, if you make the minimum payment, it'll take you 35 years to pay this off, or whatever that is. That's what we do sometimes with this. It's never going to get paid off because it's never going to be enough. You just want little minimum things. But you're not even sure you want it paid off. Because you kind of like having it. You would never admit it openly. You'd never say it out. Well, you might. I don't know. But you probably wouldn't say it out loud. But somehow or another, it just feels good to kind of have that. I need some retribution. I need some vengeance. I need some payment plan going on here. Let me say this to you, friend. If you're my friend or folks or however the right word is. There's potentially a price being paid. But who's paying it may not be who you had in mind. And let me even go on to say this. Even though you may be paying it to some degree, back to the we don't live in a vacuum. The ones who may be paying the price 
maybe the ones you love. They may be paying the highest price because they had to put up with your knuckleheadness. They had to put up with the frustration of your bitterness. They had to put up with the frustration of your depression and your anger and your actions or not getting to see that loved one because I got an issue with that person or I've got that they may be the ones paying the biggest price. At least you get to harbor it and feel like you're doing something. At least you get to harbor it and feel like you're, 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 you're inflicting pain on somebody that may not even know it. But those who are connected to you and love you, they're getting affected. They don't get no joy out of it, if you will. I think most of us, if we could see from Christ's perspective the cost of bitterness and unforgiveness, the cost it is taking on you and others around you, I think it would make us sick to our stomach. If we could really see it, just a visual. Just show me a visual, Lord. Let me. But it's subtle, isn't it? Oh, sometimes it flares up big, but most of the time it's just subtle. So coming back to prayer. Dallas Willard, you've heard me say this almost every week here, but I don't have a slide for it, and that's okay. But his statement is, prayer is a matter of explicitly sharing with God my concerns about what he too is concerned about in my life. And, of course, he is concerned about my concern, and in particular, that my concern should coincide with his. This is our walk together. Out of it, I pray. This whole thing is about getting our thoughts lined up with God's thoughts. Well, one of God's thoughts is, let it go. I can tell you that. Let it go. I think it's... David, King David says, if I had cherished sin in my heart, God would not hear my prayer. Can, can, can you imagine that you, you want to pray and you do pray and you say the words, but you would prefer to harbor something against someone else or someone else, that you would rather do that than have prayers answered? Because we're talking about prayer. That you would rather hang on to something that stops your prayers from getting through, if you will. Can you imagine, which most of us don't want to deal with, that you not forgiving says way more about you and your relationship with God than that other person or person's relationship with God. Because you know what? They have already may have asked for forgiveness. That whatever that was may be under the blood. What they did was wrong. I'm not saying that.
But you'd prefer to hang on to it and it not be under the blood. That person's moved on. Whether you think it's right or not, they've moved on. And maybe in great step with the Lord. As we close this morning, if that's where you are today, and I hope that's not, but if it is where you are, I'm sorry it happened. I don't want us to say, but I'm sorry, whatever that was or continuous part, well, I'm sorry. But I am convinced there is freedom. I am convinced that the blood of Christ not only forgives me, it forgives those who have sinned against me. And what that person did, they may not ever change. They may be deceased. True? It very well may be the case. But I'll say it's what God wants to do with your life. If you just say today, I am not thinking about them right now or, the, or however many incidents or whatever it was. I am thinking about my relationship with the Lord. What God wants to do in my life right now really has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with me and him. And that I trust him. Because I think the greatest, one of the greatest barometers of where you are in your walk with Christ is this. How quickly you forgive. Those who have been given grace, grace. Those who have been forgiven, forgive. And those who have been loved, to the depths of their broken souls. Should and can love those who are in desperate need of God's mercy and grace to their broken souls. No matter. One of the things I've had to learn to do over the years is pray for those. Love your enemies. Love those who, because again, right? Me loving someone has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with what Christ has done in me. It's called unconditional love. Can I pray to bless them? I don't want to do that.
I don't know. Maybe one of the the miracles that we get to witness is that I truly can forgive. We're all looking for miracles, right? Well, I wish God would show me a miracle. I wish I could see a miracle. Man, does God still do miracles? I wish I could see a healing. What if truly God can give you the power and the faith and the grace to truly let go? For some of you, it is, maybe not here, maybe online, or maybe it's none of you, but I can tell you it has happened. It has defined your life. You can be set free. Ask Josiah and him to come down as we close this morning. The biggest challenge with forgiveness and even restitution, or at least trying reconciliation, often, after we get to that point where we can do it, is the second and third part of this is one, that person or persons never knew they hurt you, never even knew there was something there, or they don't care to make any reconciliation. If you've got both of those as a yes, though, that's awesome. But you may not ever have that. That's what I want you to You may not ever have that. But that doesn't mean you can't be set free. You've got to trust God with this. you just got to trust him. I trusted him when I walked that aisle December 14th, 1986, that his blood truly could forgive me. That what I had done up to that point, if it's not God's grace and God power of God's blood, I can't do this. So then I have to continue to trust him that he can not only continue to do that in my life day by day and walk in the power of the blood, But I have to believe he can do it for anyone else. And I let him figure that out. Just let him figure that out. But I'm going to let it go. Would you stand? Thank you for your patience this morning. And what I do know is I've spoken on this subject over the years. There most likely is someone even in this room if not online that this was extremely extremely uncomfortable because faces came to your mind maybe faces you hadn't even thought about in a while but man as soon as it and thankfully you hadn't continued to rehearse it maybe 
But man, it may be the very thing that's capping you from walking this out. It was real. Not arguing with it. But I also believe it's real that you can be victor over it. Lord, help us right now. Messages like today, Lord, even as I worked on it this week, and they disturb us. They disrupt us. But Lord, you're a God of disruption. You came in the fullness of time and you disrupted. You come into our lives to disrupt in the sense of saying that's What I love, Lord, is that we can show you the depths of our soul and the ugliness that's in it from the sins we've acquired or sins that we will not release someone else from. But, Lord, even in the depths of there, we're comfortable getting in front of you and confessing that and saying, please help us. Take those small steps and then giant steps. Because I don't want to have anything, Lord, between you and I. I want clear channels. I don't want to have anything cherished that you would not hear me. Lord, help us now as we sing. As we come before you, Lord. As we open these altars, we've got a few minutes here. As Josiah and him lead us. Again, as we say, it's just a place to lay it down becomes a holy place when you and the Holy Spirit you allow Him to take what you can't carry and consecrate it and give it to Him. We give you that opportunity right now as Josiah and him And give us each moment all that we Forgive us our sins as we forgive the ones who have sinned against us. And our Father in heaven, and lead us not into temptation. God
You know, we just live in a world today that promotes cynicism, sound bites, criticism so quick to make a judgment. We all make these decisions about how we don't like somebody. We just don't have, it's just infiltrated every conversation we seem to have. those sometimes are distant people when you just kind of do it but I would just ask as we close it's kind of a barometer if somebody's name pops up in your mind or in a conversation what's that first thing that hits you when that name comes up it's one thing to remember it's another thing for it to grip you to comment on it There's something like that that needs to be laid down. Sing one more verse. 